Hey everyone, I uh, hope you're doing well. I'm excited about our new series that we're beginning this week entitled The Big Objections. Now in this series, we're going to be examining some of the main objections to God, Christianity, and the Bible. And my hope is that this series will bless Christians by solidifying uh, them in their faith, as well as giving them some tools to engage others in gospel conversations. I also hope that this uh, will be a benefit to those who maybe don't identify with the Christian faith and that they will uh, listen or view this series and it will help answer some of their doubts, questions, and objections they may have to the gospel and to uh, Jesus Christ. Now, this series will not, I emphasize, will not be a typical Christian apologetic series where we talk about evolution and whether or not there's universal truths and, and all of that entails. Those topics are important and I love talking about them. Um, but in my experience, most of the conversations uh, that we that we have in everyday life with neighbors, friends, co-workers, uh, they don't really raise those type of objections to Christianity. Uh, instead, the, the questions that I've heard and the doubts that are typically raised when I have uh, evangelical gospel-centered conversations are things like, how can we be sure that Christianity is the only way to God when there are so many other religions out there? Or I hear uh, questions like, how can you believe a loving God would send someone uh, to hell just for not believing in him? And what about those who have never heard? Uh, I've also heard uh, stuff about you know Christianity being a crutch for the weak and full of hypocrites. And those are going to be some of the, the common everyday questions and objections that we're going to be addressing in this particular series. Now, uh, these and many other objections will be the focus of the series, so please know that I'm not uh, claiming to have all the answers, but I do hope to provide biblically honoring, well-thought-out answers to some of these concerns. And if you have any uh, questions or doubts or concerns uh, that you've heard before, that you uh, you have yourself, that you would like for us to make sure that we include in this series, by all means, uh, make sure that you send those in. I'd love to hear from them and try to include as many as I can in this particular series. But before we get started, we need to address a few things. First, not all objections are equal. While there are some uh, who have doubts and struggles and objections to the gospel or to Christianity, there are some who don't want to believe in God. Uh, there's a key distinction there. There are some who truly are searching for the truth and searching for whether or not there's God and whether or not they can have a relationship with him. And then there are some who do not want. It doesn't matter how much evidence and um, proof and well-reasoned arguments you bring to them. They just do not want to believe in the gospel. For example, Dr. Thomas Nagel wrote in his book, The Last Word, he says this, I want atheism to be true. And I'm made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. It isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. Now, I, for one, I appreciate Dr. Nagel's transparency regarding his unbelief. It's actually rare to find someone who will be so honest. But there are many unbelievers who refuse to believe in God, not because of an abundance of evidence that there is no God, but because they simply do not want to believe in God. Now, if, um, <clears throat> if there's a God, 
then they would have to be accountable too. And so they just don't want to consider that possibility. They, they will jump through all kinds of uh, hurdles and loopholes and whatever they can do to dismiss that belief. Now, I mentioned this because there are some of you who are watching or listening and you uh, are hoping uh, that I'll share with you some key argument or piece of evidence that will finally be able to convince uh, your unbelieving friend or loved one, uh, or maybe even you if you're an unbeliever, uh, that will finally be that one uh, last nail in the coffin that I'll, I'll be able to offer that will solidify that there is a God, that the gospel is true, and that you'll believe. But I want you to understand that while this series may help those who are legitimately searching and seeking, there are some who would refuse to believe even if Christ came down from the clouds and spoke with them himself. You can uh, try and try all you want, but you cannot argue someone into a relationship with Jesus. We need to make sure that we have realistic expectations, not only for this series, but also for our relationships with those who don't believe in Christianity. And we do not need to be combative with them when we try to share the gospel. <clears throat> in Scripture, Jesus made two statements. First, he said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who re uh, asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, this means that those who are genuinely, and I want to emphasize genuinely, asking and seeking, God will, I believe, according to Scripture, God will honor that and will open their hearts and open their minds and give them more and more um, evidence, proofs, and conviction of uh, of the truthfulness of the gospel. Every time they um, genuinely seek out and, and open their hearts and open their minds to receive God's truth, I believe he will honor that and respond to that. But Jesus also taught in a parable about uh, a man named Lazarus and a rich man <clears throat> dying, and the rich man ended up going to hell, Lazarus ended up going to heaven, and there was this chasm between where they could see one another, but they couldn't reach one another. And there it's, it showed that the rich man begs Abraham, who's with uh, Lazarus, uh, the rich man begs Abraham to send Lazarus back from the dead uh, to speak to his loved ones and his family about God. And this is what it said. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. That basically meaning they had, because um, the New Testament hadn't been written yet, they have scripture, they have God's word, and that should be enough. He goes on and says, then listen to them. And the man replied, no, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes back to them, they will repent. And he said to them, Abraham said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Now, here's basically what this parable that Jesus was um, uh, teaching on means. It means <clears throat> that God has already given us his word. He's already given us the Holy Spirit that goes out and convicts people of their sin and brings them to Christ. And if people will not listen to the inspired word of God, if they will not listen to the Holy Spirit as he draws on people's hearts, no amount of effort on our part is going to convince them if they do not want to believe. Even if Jesus were to come back, even if someone were to rise from the dead and say, hey, I've been there and here's what I saw, that would not be enough. And interestingly, interestingly enough, this actually happens. There is a man named Lazarus. Again, there's some debate as to whether or not Lazarus in the parable and this Lazarus in real life are the same. But uh, anyways, there is a man named Lazarus in Scripture who does die. Jesus does bring him back from the dead. And instead of 
the people in the community and the, the religious leaders believing Jesus and believing Lazarus, they uh, the religious leaders plot uh, to kill Jesus and Lazarus again. And so they refuse to believe even when someone did rise from the dead. So the point that I'm hoping to make is that our conversations and relationships with others whom we wish to share the gospel with, we need to try and to discern whether the other person's questions and their objections are sincere or they're merely a smokescreen or worse, an attempt to provoke an argument uh, with us with <clears throat> and with fellow believers. And so if, if the person we're talking to has genuine questions and genuine doubts and genuine objections that are keeping them from the gospel, then by all means, I will have conversations with them. I'll talk with them. I'll wrestle with those things and, and try to help them understand or, or gain a better grasp on uh, what God teaches about those things. But if it's just an argument for argument's sake, we're wasting our time and worse, we're really maligning and, and hurting the cause of Christ. Now, we, as I said before, we can't argue anyone into heaven or into a relationship with God. We can only hurt our testimony when we try to do so. Now, the next thing I want to do is I want to give some advice to two people who may be uh, watching or listening to this. I want to speak real quick to those who are Christian believers and those who are <clears throat> genuine seeking unbelievers. Now, first to those who are already Christians, the first piece of advice or the encouragement I would give to you is do not be afraid of doubts and questions, whether they're your doubts and questions or whether they're someone else's doubts and questions. I cannot begin to tell you how many times I've spoken with Christians who have wrestled with doubts, questions, and objections to the faith, but felt like they didn't have any safe place or permission to explore those particular questions. There are many Christians who have grown up in homes or churches where if you ask the wrong question or you express doubt about something, you were quickly shut down and sometimes made to feel like a bad person or a bad Christian. Some of this, I think, is because there are many Christians who feel uncomfortable and ill-equipped to answer those questions, and so they instead uh, dismiss these struggles and other people they often uh mention statements or answer these questions and objections with statements like, well, because the Bible said so, or because you just have to have faith. And now I want to be very clear that I'm not poking fun of Christians who have said similar things or, or who have taken uh, those type of positions, nor do I want to guilt trip anyone who feels unable to answer these questions and objections uh, that come your way. In fact, what's more important than being able to answer every question that comes your way is that you are approachable and that even if you don't have the answer for a particular question, you wrestle with that question with the other person. Let me emphasize that again. What is so much more important than being able to answer every question is the fact that you are seen as approachable and that even if you don't have an answer, that you'll wrestle with that person and you'll walk with that person as they uh, search out and seek an answer for that particular question. I cannot emphasize how much more valuable that is than to uh, appear like you figured it all out. There is not a single person who is all of God and Christianity figured out. And I'm so incredibly thankful that for much of my life, I felt free to ask questions and to wrestle with my faith so that I knew why I believed what I believe. So the first thing I want Christians to understand 
is that you don't have to be afraid of questions, doubts, and objections. Now, when it comes to your own faith journey, this is important because when you face questions and objections uh, that you've been avoiding, uh, when you when you begin to face those, you grow so much more in your faith. Scripture tells us in Philippians 2, verses 12 through 13, it says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Now, many people seem to be afraid to face these questions and objections because their faith, possibly because they worry that it's the first step towards abandoning Christianity. Uh, but, you know, I have found that it actually leads to a deeper, more secure faith. As as we shred in Philippians, we work out the salvation. We, we wrestle with it. We struggle with it. And we ask those questions. And on the other end of it, more often than not, we come to a deeper faith in a closer relationship with God. Those who leave the faith do it more out of an entanglement in sin or because of some painful experience than from genuine searching, seeking, and wrestling with their doubts and questions. And so, <clears throat> again, let me just emphasize that again because I, I think sometimes this scares a lot of Christians. If you ask questions and if you have doubts, God already knows that. And you need to understand that those doubts and those questions, as you wrestle with them, those are not the things that typically lead someone away from uh, Christianity. What leads people more often than not away from Christianity is an entanglement to sin or some painful experience where they feel like God has neglected them or let them down, and then they walk away from the faith. Addressing and facing the difficult questions and doubts in our faith and in our faith journey actually help us understand God more and grow more in the faith. Now, the last thing I want to encourage Christians to remember before I turn my attention to any non-Christians who may be watching or listening is that when we find ourselves in a conversation with someone who is challenging our faith, who are asking difficult questions that we have a hard time answering, uh, we need to make sure that we maintain grace and a Christ-like demeanor, arguing, raising your voice, and insults are unhelpful. And more importantly, they don't represent Christ well. If you find that a conversation is beginning to get tense, uh, change the subject or, or just step away if you need to. Okay, And so it would be better for you to stop the conversation in its tracks if you see it getting too heated and walk away than to keep pushing forward and, yes, win the argument, but lose that other person. Okay, so now for those who are watching and listening who do not identify as a Christian, I first want to say that I am so glad that you're taking the time to be a part of this series and, and to listen or, or to watch this particular uh, intro to this series. You probably have many questions, and I hope to address many of them. We probably won't be able to get to all of them, but I hope to answer as many as I can. Some of you may have had bad experiences with Christians or with the church, and if that's uh, your story, I first want to say that I'm sorry, and I hope that you won't paint all Christians and all churches uh, in, in a negative light. Just because you've had some bad experiences, that does not reflect all of Christianity and all Christians. Now, my main encouragement to those who are genuinely seeking God and truth is this. Keep asking questions. Keep wrestling with those doubts and with those obstacles that stand in your way. God is bigger than your questions. God is bigger than your obstacles, and he is not intimidated by them. God is not threatened by your questions or doubts. And I hope that you'll trust me when I say that there are some really good resources available to help you in your search and in your, in your, in your uh, faith journey. Now, 
if at some point you want to message me with a specific question or objection that you have, please feel free. I welcome that, and I will try to include those if at all possible. Now, with that said, we're going to uh, close uh, and, and go into this series a little bit more next week, and we're going to kick things off by wrestling with the question, how can I know that there is a God and how can I know Jesus is the only way to him? This is a big question for a lot of people because there are so many faiths out there. There are so many religions. Some of them are inclusive and they say that it, uh, you can believe whatever you want, still go to heaven. Some of them are more exclusive like Christianity that say that they're the only path to God. So how do we reconcile that? How can, uh, as some unbelievers would say, how can Christians be so arrogant as to say that they have found the only way to God. And so we're going to address that question and that objection, and hopefully uh, we'll shed some light on that and and, and be able to um, understand it a little bit better. So uh, it's a big question. I hope that you'll join us as we work through that. Until next week, I hope you'll take care and God bless.